Thessalonians chapter five, and uh, we're going to get right in. We're preaching through first Thessalonians and we're at chapter five and we're in a diamond mine. We're in a diamond field right here. When you hit the last passage of the part of first Thessalonians, I mean, so much, so condensed, so brief, so quick, so powerful, so much for the Christian life. And last week we looked at uh, verse number 14, where it said, we exhort you brethren to warn them the unruly. And then we looked at comfort the feeble-minded. And uh, been doing that, several people have called me this week to comfort me. <laughs> you think I didn't pick up on it? I did. I get the phone call, text, Reggie, comforting you. I knew what you were saying. <laughs> Our feeble-minded pastor. No, I'm lying. Then it says support the weak. And I'm not going to preach on that and be patient toward all men. I'm sure not preaching on that. You'll get more out of that right there if I preach an hour on it, amen? But uh, let me just say in passing, support the weak. There's nobody more weak than a baby in a womb. Yes, sir. And we ought to support the weak. And a lot of things, I'm not preaching on that this morning. But when the Holy Spirit kicks off of verse number 14, where it says, be patient toward all men, look at the next thing the Bible says. See that none, verse 15, render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and all men. I want to preach a message to the church today entitled, What is Truly a Truly Biblical Response for When You've Been Done Evil? What is a biblical response? Now, just in prefacing to this message, I want to tell you, this thing has been on my mind. I didn't know how God was orchestrating everything. But for many weeks, maybe a few months, God has been dealing with me about this issue I'm going to preach on. Because in my spirit and in my soul, I've known something's wrong in the church of America on this issue. Yeah. But I just couldn't like identify it. And I kept saying, and I literally bowed my head before God and said, God, please open my eyes and make me to see what is the problem with this issue, how we're dealing with life when we've been done evil. How many in here has ever been done evil? Would you raise your hand? Those of you who are not raising your hand have not lived very long, yeah. or you don't have any brothers or sisters. <laughs> I don't know, you know, but you're going to get it. But anyway, uh, uh, I want to preach on this today, and I want you to pray. Now, I'm going to tell you before I start preaching, I ain't got it all figured out. I was hoping by Sunday morning I'd have, man, I'd have this thing locked down and said, folks, I got it, I got it. I found out what's wrong. I found out where we're off balance at. I'm thinking I'm a lot further than I was two weeks ago, but I'm going to tell you this. God's involved because literally I can look back now and see how he was doing this and this and this and then this week he kicked it in gear. He, he allowed situations to occur. He allowed me to do evil to somebody. He allowed me to have to humble myself. He allowed me to have to ask forgiveness. And I'm telling you, he took me through the whole deal and it all has helped. And I'm thankful in everything. It's going to say that if in everything, give thanks. Uh, I want us to sing, if we can. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strange in the light. I'm going to ask all of us. 
close right now that we turn our eyes upon Jesus. Because without doing that, we ain't going to get out of this what we ought to get. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We're not in heaven yet. We're here in a sin-cursed world. My, how we need the Lord. Amen. Father, we pray this morning that you'd help us preach this message to the glory of God. Amen. For the help of thy saints and thy beloved. I pray, God, today that the Holy Ghost will do the preaching through me. Lord, keep me from saying anything that I shouldn't say. And Lord, help me not to say whatever I say. Help me to say it with the right spirit. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll speak and help and, oh, God, comfort and minister and open understanding to the people that are here today. And God, I just pray that some good to be done that helps some folk on their journey and their Christian journey, especially God through life. For God, you have told us not to render evil to any man for evil. And God, we need grace. We need grace. Help us, Lord, to break the bread of life and to rightly divide the word of truth. And I want to thank you, Lord, for all the examples that you put in Scripture concerning this subject. In Jesus' name, amen. I said I'm preaching on what is, true, what is a truly biblical response. By the way, welcome to everybody online. And the ACOX down in Mississippi, if you're listening, I want to tell you we haven't forgot you. What is a truly biblical response when you've been done evil? This week I was working at our sawmill. I love working at my sawmill. I just wish I was a little younger, a little stouter. But often while I'm working, I'm praying or thinking I'm often battling. Sometimes the devil tries to put junk in my mind and I'm working long and he just tries to poison me and get me thinking on things I should not be thinking or thinking ways I shouldn't be thinking. And then maybe the Holy Spirit will say, Reggie, why don't he, I said, I'll pray, say, Lord, bring a verse to me. Help me to get my mind on better things. And maybe a song will come to me. But while I was praying this week, the Lord brought some men to my mind, about five preachers that I know, all of them are out of state and burdened me to call them just to encourage them in the Lord. And uh, the second day, I didn't do it. And the second day, I was out working, like Lord said again, Reggie, I want you to call these preachers and I want you to encourage them. Now, I'm going to tell you this in advance. When I, that afternoon, when I called those preachers, I began to call them. I went in and showered, cleaned up like I always do. And I went to call them. I was so shocked at what I heard and what was told me and how it fit right into this message. And it literally just like put the, I mean, I couldn't believe it. And then the pastor called me from out of state the next day. And while I was discussing this message with him, he went, well, I'll, I'll tell you more about that later. One of the pastors uh, in conversation told me a story and I'm going to relate it to you. It says an elderly pastor, he, he, and he, this is a true story now. And he talking about this man and his pastor. Okay. An elderly pastor had passed away. This was his pastor. They had his visitation service as usual the evening before, I think, said. And the young man, this man that I talked to on the phone, who is now pastor of that church, who took over the pastorate of that church, um, arrived, he and his wife, at the visitation of their pastor. In a few minutes, he and his wife both noticed that the pastor's elderly wife was not at the visitation of her husband. And it concerned him, of course. And uh, so as quick as he could, 
this, this pastor that had died was very dear to this young pastor. He was taking his place. They loved, he loved this pastor and his wife. And he felt this responsibility having to take over the pastorate of, of this man that he had helped and ministered with and loved. And he, as soon as he could, he uh, told his wife, he said, we've got to go by and see her. Something's wrong. And so they um, drove over to her house after they left. They arrived there and uh, got out, knocked on the door, and she opened it and smiled at him and welcomed them in. And uh, they looked at her with a questioning look, and she, she said, I know, you wonder why I wasn't at the visitation. And they said, yes, are you okay? And she said, yes and no. I'll tell you why I could not go to my husband's visitation. And I'm going to tell you her answer at the conclusion of this message. You and I live in a sin-cursed world. Now, I just heard that story this week. We live in a sin-cursed world full of sinners. We live in a sin-cursed world of Christian people who still have a sin nature and who can do evil toward each other. In Christianity and in church, we'd like to think that no one would do me evil, but it's not so. I've always told people, if you want to get hurt, just go to church long enough. Go long enough with the same people long enough, you'll get hurt. The question is not, will you get done evil at church? or at work or among family members. The real question is, what is a truly biblical response when somebody has done you evil? That's the real question. Beginning at Matthew chapter five, or chapter 18, fellas, if you want to put that up on there, Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, the Bible clearly teaches. Now, I'm going to say this to you. In the book, back in the Old Testament, one of the prophets said one time about the tribe of Ephraim that he was a cake unturned. The picture there is a pancake cake, all right, that has been cooked on one side till it's burnt, but the other side's never been flipped. Does anybody want to eat a cake like that? No, you don't. And I'm going to tell you about what I'm preaching today in the Church of America and most of my church life. This issue is a cake unturned. It has two sides, but we've only used one side and we've burnt that side and left the other side in mucky dough and nobody wants to eat the cake. So get ready. Here's one side of the cake. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. Moreover, if thy brother trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault. Maybe he did evil towards you. Trespass between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. Now something I want you to get down today. There are people who are not saved and are your enemies. And there are people that are saved and they may be, treat you worse than a lost person. But I don't think that we should consider them to be an enemy. Okay? But they, they still are things that haven't. So the issue is not so much today, brother or lost person. I don't think you should cut that too thin because Jesus really didn't do that. Go to him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. Now notice you go alone. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. So you take somebody else. Then he says, if, that, if he neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a what? Heathen, Heathen man and a publican. Now, <clears throat> you know what he's saying? There's a brother and you went to him. Now this is not done much. To be honest with you, I, 
I don't think I've had situations. I don't think I've ever done this exactly like the Bible says do, and I don't know many people that have. I've really, in this church, we've never had somebody come to me and say, Reggie, listen, I went to this man alone. He wouldn't listen to me. He would not want to try to get things fixed. I want to take a couple men with me, go, they'd be witnesses. And I've never, never seen them come back and say, hey, Reggie, he won't listen to us. Can we take this before the church? Woo! Now, there's a reason you don't ever see that much because nobody wants the rodeo. Nobody much wants to see it go that far. So what happens to most of us at that point in time, if we even go that far with it, we just let it go. Let it go. Okay. And there's some validity to that. I don't want to cause a row row in the church. All right. Now let's go to Matthew 18, verse 21. He said, and uh, he said, then Peter came and said, Lord, how now brother Job, hail, by the way, his message was part of God's working this message into my soul that, you know, this thing's been going for a while, all right? How oft shall my brother sin against me? Now, forgive until seven times. Jesus said, not, I say unto thee, not until 70, seven times, but until 70 times seven. And he preached about that. And if you haven't heard his message, you need to listen to it. Ephesians 4.30 tells us that, uh, he said, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, wherein you sealed the day of redemption, but let all bitterness, wrath, and anger, and clamor, and evil speaking be away from you, and be a kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. All right, now let's go to Matthew chapter 6, verse number 12. We're going to look at several scriptures here about what the Bible clearly teaches about when somebody has done you wrong. Okay, but Matthew chapter 6, verse number 12. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Okay, God, we're praying, Lord, forgive our debts as we forgive others. And then he gets down here after the prayer has said, verse 15, or verse 14, for if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Now, this is not talking about your salvation. It's talking about you're going to deal with this now or at the judgment seat. Okay. Moral, uh, verse 15, but if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. That's clear. You don't need, you don't need Greek to figure that out. Amen. Right. Amen. All right. Now, we also know that in Luke chapter 23 and verse number 24, when Jesus was on the cross, the statement that most people know that he said is what? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And that's, that's, there's this great truth there that a lot of evil that's being done to you are being done. And there's a purpose that God has in people. Now, here's, here's one of the biblical responses. Are you ready? Here's one of them. Many times when people are doing you evil, God has a program and a purpose going on for your life that you can't see now and you won't see till you get maybe the other side of, of, of eternity. But there's something going on bigger than the current situation and God is gonna work all things together for good and for his purposes, even though it may seem, well, this ain't no good, this is terrible. God has a purpose in it. Now, let's go to, uh, uh, if Joseph told his brethren what after the whole show was over, you meant it for evil. <laughs> That's all right, don't worry about it. That's, uh, if, uh, you meant it for evil, but what? Notice the word evil. Joseph said to his brother, you meant it for evil. Or our text said, don't, recommend, don't render any man evil for evil. You meant it for evil, but God what? Yeah. Meant it for good. So first thing I want you to get down today is this, that when somebody does you evil, God, and you're a saved person, God's got a purpose in it. Amen. Write that somewhere in your Bible. When somebody does me wrong, God's got a purpose in it. Yeah. And it may be somebody you just can't believe they did that. Because using that person, they're a tool in his hand. It not necessarily means that God told him to do that, but God's going to take that and he's going to turn it into good. Yeah. All right. 
whenever Stephen was being stoned in Acts chapter 7, verse number 60, the, he said this, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Now I'm giving you right now, watch this, one side of the cake. Yeah. We're cooking one side of the cake right now. Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 16 said, all men forsook me. Who is he talking about? Nero? No. Who is he talking about? Come on. Brethren. Brethren. Everybody forsook him. What did he say in response to that? I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. We're still cooking on the same side of the cake. There's no question the Bible said that you and I are to forgive our those who trespass against us. We're to forgive those who do evil against us. We don't have an option about that. That's a command. That's a wonderful, good command that God has for your good and for your benefit and for his glory, by the way. Amen. The Bible said in Proverbs 19, 11, listen, get this verse. It is the glory of a man to pass over a transgression. Let it go. Amen. Let it go. We're still cooking on one side of the cake. But God said, it's a glory for a man to have evil done to him, and he just lets it go. He passes over it. He moves on with his life. He didn't spend weeks or days or years eating the cancerous spiritual cancer. <clears throat> Romans 12, 18 says, if it be possible, I always like that part of that verse, as life in you, live peaceably with all men. Romans 12, 17 says, recompense no man evil for evil. This is exactly what he says in 1 Thessalonians 5. Render no man evil for evil. Romans 12, 21 says, avenge not yourselves. Be not overcome of evil. There's that word again. But overcome evil with good. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 says, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing. So it's very, very clear that one side of this cake, God tells you and I to forgive, yeah. to move on. Try to deal with it. If you can't deal with it, put it behind you the best you can, give it to God and move on with your life. Yeah. All right? This is biblical. But we're to forgive our trespass, those that do evil against us. Now, what can people do to you or what could happen to you or may have happened to you in the way of evil. You may have been defrauded. Uh, somebody you don't know or some, a loved one. Saved person or unsaved person. They may have lied upon you. They may have demonized you. They may have poisoned other people about you. They may have cheated you in, uh, in work or finances or whatever. There may have been a huge misunderstanding, a bill that's not been paid, or an overcharge or something done. You, I mean, all kinds of stupid stuff can happen. And it can happen right inside a church, by the way. Amen. You can say, well, you, would you come over and, and mow my yard? You can have, I always forget your first name, brother. Keegan. Huh? Keegan? Keegan? Keegan, some, I could say, Keegan, you come over to my yard? And I say, why are you charging? He says, $35. And you know what? He could come over and give me the bill. <laughs> you wouldn't do it for $35, would you? But he, anyway, let's say $135. And he gets done. And, uh, and he gets done. And, and you know, he, he says, you know, Reggie didn't tell me that he wanted the back 40 mode. You know, because when he gets over, I say, hey, Keegan, now this is, and he's thinking my yard. Are you listening to me? This is how stupid stuff can happen in churches. Well, I get him over there, you know, now Keegan, our yard goes back there to that back 40. And he's going, oh, my land. 
I can't do this for $135. Get done, and he says, you know, Reggie, I would could I? And nope, you agreed to do it for $135. Got you, didn't I? <laughs> now, how many of you think that he may have a little trouble coming to listen to me preach next Sunday? Sure. Yeah. This is how stuff gets going. And he may feel like I've done him evil. I just abused him. I just took advantage of him. I didn't do him right. So now, two, a couple of weeks later, I finally listened to the Holy Ghost, who's been going. Right? Amen. And I say, Keegan, the Lord didn't deal with me. And I knew better to start with. But I just let my flesh run me. And I, knew, I, I knew you couldn't do that for $135. And I just took advantage of you. And I want you to forgive me. Would you forgive me? Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> By the way, you don't come on my heart. I'm just saying that God said, this is one side of the cake. See if you can fix it with him, okay? See if you can fix it with him. Now, or you could have been defiled. Hebrew chapter 12, verse 15 talks about, let all, about being bitter and a root of bitterness bringing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. I used to preach every year on defilement. Amen. Two, two messages I used to preach every year. One was on defilement. Be careful. You don't let somebody poison you about other people. Amen. Be really careful here at church. Hey, hey. Be super careful. I'm telling you, any of us can get in the flesh. And in our fleshly anger and our fleshly disgustedness, we start dropping little drops of poison in the minds of other people. You got to guard against that. You cannot let people defile you. I'm going to tell you some of you, let me just tell you, number one, if you feel like you're supposed to go to church here, I'm the sorriest, most wicked pastor there is in Wright County. Are you listening to me? You think I'm kidding you? I, as far as I know, I'm the worst sinner I know. But I will tell you this, I've been around the block. I mean, I was in auction business 47 years. I've done more, I mean, I've done enough business for here in Texas back. And there'll be somebody out there tell you something they didn't like about the way I did something. And you know what you need to do? The guy come to me and say, Reggie, that guy. And here a while back, somebody told me, said, Reggie, guy was something, what was it? And he said, well, Reggie told us that, we, he could, that he'd be glad to come and the guy didn't want to. I've said that. If somebody tells you something, if I find out I've done wrong, I'll try to fix it. Okay? That's what he's talking about here. If Try to fix this thing. Then the third thing is you may have had discord sown about you. Somebody tried to tear your family up. How many likes that? Might like tear your marriage up. Tear your, tear your relationship up among your children and so forth. That don't go good with nobody. Okay? You may have, by the way, the Bible says in Proverbs 6 that he that soweth discord among the brethren, that seventh thing is an abomination to God. Do not sow discord. The fourth thing, somebody may have caused division in, in the church or in the family. The Bible talks about that in Romans 16, 7. There's also the issue of dissembling. Put up Proverbs 26, verse number 24, if you don't mind. Uh, Proverbs 6, 20, 24. He that hateth, watch this verse, everybody. He that hateth dissembleth with his lips and layeth up deceit within him. This is where we're going now. We're going to turn the cake here in just a little bit and cook it on the other side. Amen. Now watch this. He that hateth dissembleth. Does anybody know what assembly means? Sure. Assembly. That's a group coming together. All right. This man is dissembling. I, I could always tear things up. I couldn't put it back together. That's been my problem in life. You get this deal and the car, try to go fix the car by myself, you know, and get it all parsed. I can't put it back together. I couldn't put it together. Not, anyway, I move on. 
a dissembler is one who's taking the assembly apart. Now, they've got a problem. These people have a real problem. Look at it. He that hateth. When you get this junk in your mind, in your heart, you will, you're, you're planning on doing all the damage you can before you vamoose and you're going to take as many with you. You're going to dissemble. You're going to tear the church apart. You're going to, watch this, tear the family apart. You're going to try to cause as much, to, at the workplace, you're going to try to tear everybody up because you're mad at the boss or somebody and you want it all to train wreck. Okay? Dissemble. That's influencing people to separate and not have fellowship and friendship anymore. Then there's whispers. The Bible talks about in Proverbs 16, 28, that a whisper separateth chief friends. And this may be how you've been offended. Somebody told you this, somebody said. One of the things I had to work with this week was assumption. Be careful about assuming things. You walk in church and I'm just being honest with you as a preacher, you know, I'm, I'm constantly looking at faces. You know what? Whether I like it or not, my mind is determining how they're responding to what I'm preaching. And if somebody's going, you know, your mind's, well, they don't like what I'm preaching, so you're going to look somewhere else, you know. And then you got to, you know, and it's always, if I'm not careful, I need, you know what I got to do? I walk in church, just forget it. I don't care. They may have a headache. They may have a headache. It ain't they're not mad at me. But I have assumed that people didn't like me because the way he's looking at me. How many's ever done that size me? I want to feel better about it. All right, now. So you can have whispering. Then the Bible talks about backbiting. Turn to, uh, go to Proverbs 25, 23. Write these down. By the way, the Bible mentions four times about whispering. Four times the Bible, that's the number of the world. Backbiting, so I tell you something about it, it's worldly. Proverbs 25, 23, watch this. The north wind, now we're gonna flip this cake. Watch this cake. The north wind driveth away rain, so doth an angry countenance a backbiting tongue. What? You backbiting? I backbite you. You know what God says? Look at me like you don't like it. Hmm. Why? Because you know what's going on. Maybe you've talked to me already about it. And you know what you're saying? You're still backbiting and you're not my friend. Don't pretend you're my friend. Yep. How many has ever had an angry countenance towards your children? What's that for? What do you mean by that? What are you doing? What are you telling them? Stop it. That's nonsense and it's not going on around here. It ain't right. Oh, but I, wait a minute. We're supposed to be Christians and we don't ever look at anybody angry. We, we put on the dog. Well. Brother Stamper, bless your heart. I'm a backslapper and a glad hander. I just uh, in public like everybody. Then there's betrayal. That's Judas. Uh, I'm not near as concerned though about people's betrayal toward me as I am about my betrayal for Jesus. I had a real battle about betrayal uh, in the past. The Lord said, hey, Reg, how do you think I feel when you betray me? Now you know how I feel when you betray me. Then here's the word that we're coming to that might have happened to you to cause what you feel like has been done evil towards you. And it's a word called twice in the Bible, dissimulation. Dissimulation. 
Dissimulation is first of all in Romans chapter 12, verse nine, where it says, watch this, let love be without dissimulation. Then it, the next time you see it, it's in the book of Galatians chapter two and verse number 13, where, where Peter had went in and he was with the Gentiles first. Remember, he's the, watch this, he's the man called to be, and he had the vision, eat, rise and eat. All right, so he was eating with the Gentiles. Some Jewish people, watch this, some Jewish believers came in who didn't eat that stuff and he dissimulated, the Bible said. He separated from those Gentiles and I'm not gonna eat with them because of the public pressure and I'm gonna, I'm gonna act like I love every, he's trying to play both sides against it. And the Bible said Barnabas even got carried away with his dissimulation. Now I'm gonna read to you what Webster says, 1825 Webster says dissimulation is. Now I'm gonna stop right here and tell you, this is the sin that I believe is killing Christianity in America and the weakening the church to where the church has no longer any influence and it's because we haven't turned the cake over. Truth out of balance is heresy. Amen. We have a truth in the Bible, in scripture that we're supposed to forgive, not render evil for evil. And we cook that thing till it's ruined the church. Now listen to what he says. Dissimulation is a hiding under a false appearance, a feigning, fake pretension, a special kind of hypocrisy. Dissimulation may be simply concealment. I'm just not letting you know, Brother uh, Carr, how I really feel about you. I'm going to conceal it by smiling and shaking your hand and being friendly. I love you, by the way. <laughs> <I'm just laughs> A concealment, watch this, of the opinions, sentiments, or purposes. They're putting on the dog, us hillbillies would say. Now here's where the problem has hit America and our churches. We have come to believe and have been taught by preaching and teaching that we're to put on the dog instead of honestly handling the situation. And that if we don't smile, back slap and glad hand, when somebody puts on a dog, on the, if we're on the other side of it, that somehow or another we failed God and failed spiritually. Here further goes, Dissimulation includes the assuming of false or a counterfeit appearance which conceals the real opinions or purposes of the mind and heart. I'm not going to go ahead and read it to you, but he talks about that in politics, dissimulation is nearly considered a virtue. Yeah. Be able to hide your true feelings. This is why the Bible said, let love be without dissimulation. Don't act like, don't lovey-dovey if you and your heart have evil done and, you, and your response to it is to try to act like, well, I'm just going to rise above it and I'm going to be the super spiritual one. But really in heart, you don't feel that way at all. And as quick as you get a chance, maybe you'll tell somebody about it too. But publicly in front of them, you put on the dog like everything's lovely and you're higher than the situation. It is amazing that we have become proud in our hypocrisy. 
We have spiritualized our stinking, hellish hypocrisy, making ourselves feel spiritual because we just lied to people. Under the guise of being told, well, I forgive everybody. The church has created a false doctrine or at least scripturally unbalanced doctrine of truth responding to evil. As I said, Ephraim is a cake not turned. We're burnt on one side and, and not cooked at all on the other. We have been taught the side of, oh, I just forgive and forget. As if that's some kind of biblical response necessarily. We've been said, well, let it go. And it may be true. We've been told love your enemies and it may be true. We should, yes. But there's another side. Unbalanced doctrine. You know what the old timers used to say? Truth out of balance is always heresy. Do you know what we've done? Our children have watched us dissimulate and know that Christian, their Christianity that they observed in reality is hypocrisy. They don't want nothing to do with it. I've watched my mom and dad backhand, back slap, slap and glad hand and put on the dog to people at church that they were talking about at the kitchen table or in the car. And you know what they know? They know, they know that cannot be Christianity. Now listen to me. I'm not preaching down at you. I'm preaching because I am guilty of it. And God has shown me, but here's part of the reason, not maliciously, because in my head, I've got this idea, well, we just got to forgive, just got to forgive, just got to forgive. And then that's the only side of this whole thing there is. And that's the only, and somehow or another in my heart, and my spirit, I watched a lot of stuff over the years and I've said, God, there's something wrong with the church culture in this thing. We're not healing things. Here's a point. I have come to believe that the dissimulation that comes from the aforementioned possibly offenses and trespasses in the main or at least in a is a major destroyer of the church and its influence in our culture. A public pretense of friendship and brotherhood, of love and affection, care and concern that covers or conceals private hatred and hurt or guilt or disdain you owe the man uh, for a car bill. I owe Bill, you know, $175 for fixing my truck, but I won't pay him. And I walk into church, hey, Brother Bill, how are you? You want to leave some prayer, Brother Bill? Yeah. Yeah. The church has created a false doctrine. Now, we've made ourselves believe that some, somehow it's biblical. Watch this, to kill him with kindness. What? Kill them with kindness. Are you kidding me? Do I want to kill my brother in the Lord with, with kindness? What, what, what's that? What, somebody tell me what's that statement really mean? What's that statement saying? Come on, I want you to think. If I say that I'm going to kill a brother with kindness, what am I saying? I'm going to be so nice in front of everybody that I look like the superior spiritual one and I'll try to make them feel bad because they don't feel right. And I'm just going to tell you all something. If God showed me anything, this is destroying Christianity in our land. And God is not going to say, well, I love the church so much, just going to let it go. No, he said, I'll let you ride Ichabod across your door, keep this up. By the way, can I tell you, that's what's happened to all these churches that have closed the doors. 
they never, they, they cooked one side, told everybody you're supposed to act like you're supposed to be spiritually above all this. And man, it, you know, I, and, and not at all, but in public. And the Holy Ghost said, so I'm not in that. Now again, keep, stay with me. We're looking at a biblical, what is a true biblical response? Because we know number one, we are to forgive. No question. No question. Not if, now we'll look at, we act maybe as if we're above it all, we're spiritually mature than they are, but, and it may be so, but may not be so. Again, are we to forgive, pass over, pray for, love, or enemy, so forth? Yes. Listen to this. It has been said, this didn't come from me, I, I, I run across this. Jesus loved Pilate as much as he loved Peter. Yeah. Jesus loved those who spit on his face as much as the one who washed his feet with their tears. Jesus loved the thief who rejected him as much as the thief who accepted him. And he loved Ananias as much as he loved Andrew. Now listen to this one. And he loves my enemies as much as he loves me. And he loves your enemies as much as he loves you. But what about Jesus? Let's go to Matthew chapter five. Now I'm going to tell you how this message sprang. And this is where the message sprang out of scripturally. Matthew chapter five. And verse 38 through 48. Ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. They had twisted the Old Testament. Was it really? They weren't applying it right at all. That was for the justice department to handle. That was for the law to handle. Yeah. That, was, that wasn't personal vengeance. But I say unto you, now watch this, that you resist not what? What are we preaching about this morning? When somebody does you evil. You resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, do what? Turn to him the other also. If any man will sue thee at the law, take thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. Whosoever compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, him that would borrow thee, turn not away, which most people don't do any of this. <laughs> but here's where I want to come to. We don't do any of the rest of it. They slap us, we slap them back. They sue us, we get a lawyer. We don't do, much. I mean, I'm not saying people don't. My dad told me that he saw one man in his entire life turn the other cheek when he got hit. And he said, Reggie, I will tell you, it made an impression on me. Because he said the man was big enough to whoop the old boy and he said he just turned his cheek and said he turned the other one to him. He said, I thought maybe he was the only Christian I ever saw in my life. I don't know. I say unto you, verse number four, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Why? That you may be children of your Father which is heaven. Now, that's not a salvation work about doing works and you become a child of God. That's just the evidence that should be there right. is having a forgiving heart, okay, reconciling heart. And if it's possible, live peaceably with all men. Those kind of, all those verses we went through. Now, let's go to Matthew chapter. Now, Jesus got through saying this. I want to ask you a question. Is Jesus a hypocrite? Did he not just say, bless your enemies? I want you to see what he done. Matthew 23. But woe unto you. You know what woe is? That's a curse. Just the opposite of blessing. And these are his enemies. And that's explicitly who he said to do all those nice things to. And we better get up. We better perk our head up out of the sand and say, God, I'm going to take all the Bible, not just the part that I've been told to believe. 
so let's take off here. Let's see what he has to say. Verse 14, uh, he said, you shut up the kingdom of heaven and get down. Verse 14, here's another woe. Woe unto you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Devour with the house going. Verse 15, woe unto you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Look at verse 16, woe unto you blind guides. Verse 17, you fools and blind. Look at 19, you fools and blind. Well, wait a minute, Jesus. Didn't you say in Matthew chapter five to bless your enemies? Is our Lord a hypocrite? No. no, he's not. He's got the cake on done on both sides. You got the cake done on both sides. Going up to verse uh, 23. Woe unto you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. 24, you're blind. I mean, this guy's calling everybody every name in the book. He's a name caller. He is a name caller. Verse 26, you blind Pharisee. Woe unto you scribes and here, you hypocrites. Watch this. Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within, full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Woe unto you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Go on down. Watch verse 33. Ye serpents. Ye generation of vipers. You're a bunch of snakes. Now you don't get any worse than calling a man a snake. Brother Jerry, would you agree with that? You call me a snake? I'm going to want to know why real quick. I call you a snake, I better be ready, right? <laughs> what would you do if I had a preacher come in here? And he was Jesus, but you didn't know it. And he got up and started preaching and said, Reg, you're a snake, you're a viper. You're a serpent. When I pop up and say, well, you said in Matthew, you're not treating me like you said. You said in Matthew chapter five, you're supposed to bless me. You're cursing me. What are you going to do with this? John chapter eight, verse number 44. You know what happened? Jesus was talking to this same crowd. They fought him. Hey, they were his perpetual enemies. This wasn't some new deal down the block. You know what he told him? You're of your father, the devil. That's not necessarily a real nice, friendly thing to say when you walk into church service. You're of your father, the devil. Wait a minute, Jesus. You said Matthew chapter five, you're supposed to bless them and do good to them and pray for them. Huh? Did Jesus love them? You better believe he loved him. He gave his life for him. What did it mean? Was he being a hypocrite? Did you know that Jesus Christ is going to send sinners to hell? That's right. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, that's Jesus, not us. Wait a minute. Did you know that John the Baptist called people, the same crowd the same thing? Yeah. Vipers, serpents, Matthew chapter 3. Wasn't just Jesus. Uh, did Jesus love them? Is Jesus doing right when he sends his enemies to hell? By the way, lost people, let me tell you something right now. You better get this. You're at enmity with God if you're not saved. That's right. Yeah. And if you love the world and the things of the world, you're an enemy of God. Yeah. Not a good place to be. 
You think you can just, well, this is the way the world does it. This is the way the world does it. And I like the way the world does it. You better watch yourself. You better check your salvation is what I would tell you. This world crucified our Lord. This world hates Jesus Christ. They don't want him in schools. They don't want him anywhere. They want him wiped out of this nation. They hate him. Be sure, be sure whose side you're on. He is not your little old mamby-pamby Jesus that walks around, you know, and, you know, he's just supposed to be patting everybody's head. We better wake up. There's more than one side. We have got a Jesus that's only cooked on one side in our churches. Very seldom is he preached as the man of war to whom every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess, who hates iniquity, who'll judge every sin, who will cast sinners into the lake of fire forever and forever and never brings them out, never changes his mind, saying, you know, I shouldn't have been so angry. Wow. Well, hang in here. Let's go and see what the Bible said. The things in the Old Testament written for our example, for our learning. There's a boy by the name of Joseph. He had some brothers. And they hated him. They hated their own brother. You know what they did out of that hate? They wanted to kill him. One brother talked him out of killing him, but he said, let's sell him rather than kill him. Would you think that's being evil done? They put him in a pit. They falsely accused him. They sold him as a slave. I mean, how much lower can you get? How much more evil can you do to somebody? Yeah. So years later, what does God do? God orchestrates Amen. the last story. Amen. But I want you to get this. Don't you miss this if you miss anything in this message today. When I mentioned this to a preacher today, uh, this week, did you know he told me, he said, you're the first, he said, I believe exactly like you do on this. He said, you're the first preacher I've ever heard in my life that I can agree with about Joseph. He said, every other preacher, all they'll preach is that one side, Reggie. Did you know, put up Genesis 42. When, uh, and they came, verse seven, Joseph saw his brother and knew, the, and knew them. But he made himself what? Strange. Strange to them. Listen to this preacher. Joseph did not see his brethren, Jim, and go, oh, Judah, oh, I'm so glad to see you, buddy. Oh, man, it's good to see you guys. Come on, come on, come on. Let me show you the palace. Yep. No. The Bible said, watch this. Made him so strange to him and spake how? Did you know how rough it got? He throwed him in prison. He said, you're spies. All kinds of junk. I mean, he made it rough and spoke rough to them. <clears throat> Come on, Joseph, you're the biggest type of Jesus in the Old Testament. Why don't, didn't you forgive your brothers? I guess you hate your brothers, don't you, the way you're treating them. You've never forgiven them, Joseph. Now you listen to me, I'm not up here playing games. I'm, I'm talking, I'm preaching Reg Kelly right now. You need this, I need this, everybody I know needs this. Amen. And the day we quit monkeying around and having a cake turned on one side, I believe this with all my heart, that if we ever get this cake turned and get it baked on both sides like it is scripturally, we could possibly see the greatest revival and move of the Holy Ghost that we've ever seen in our lives. I'm serious with you. It's killing our churches. You are made to think that if you stand against evil that's been done, you, hey, look, wait a minute. You stole, Randy, if you stole off me, you know what it means? I don't steal off you. 
That's all, that's all that means. It doesn't mean that I'm supposed to go, oh, it's fine, Randy, it don't matter anything. I didn't say do that. It said don't steal back from him. Don't render evil for evil. Don't do to them what they did to you. But it never said that you're supposed to go, oh, that's fine. I'm super spiritual. I'm supposed to forgive everybody. That's what we're doing. It's hypocrisy. It's dissimulation. It's let love be without dissimulation. Be real. Hey, even if you're having a hard time forgiving them, be honest with them. Go to them and say, listen, I'm praying. I'm asking God. I know I've got to forgive. I'm having a hard time. Let's pray. Be real. Uh, this, is, this thing here is so wild. Uh, we're not going to go everything, but you see, it wasn't. How many knows when he finally told him, ye meant it for evil? Here's what Joseph knew that you and I need to know. When somebody does you evil, they don't need to get right with you as much as they need to get right with God. Joseph knew it wasn't about getting right with him. It was about them getting right with God. Joseph knew that if he played possum with his brother and went and hugged their neck and act like everything's fine when it wasn't, he would rob them of the work of the Holy Spirit to lead them to repentance. And it was going to take years for God to do that. They came down. They wouldn't admit, oh, we're true men. Left back. Come back down. You're spies. You're not real. You're not real. You're phony. Oh, yes, we're real. And it wasn't until they brought them all back up there and finally they threw up the white flag and said, we're guilty in the what we did to our brother. At that moment, Joseph said, all men out from me, revealed himself to him. You're not going to see Jesus till you get straight in your heart with everything. You're not going to have God to reveal himself and get real to you in your daily life until you stop this nonsense, until I stop this nonsense. By the way, let me show you how deep it was. Joseph, the fellow tried, daddy all died. He died, Isaac died. Or Jacob died. Chapter 50, he died. Do you know what the boys did? <clears throat> Put up chapter 50. Uh, yeah. On down. On down. Whoa. Pull up a little bit now. Verse 15, when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, watch this. I thought this all got settled years ago. Joseph's brother, father, father was dead. They said, Joseph, peradventure will hate us and will certainly requite us for all the what? Evil. Evil which we did unto him. They went for the rest of their daddy's life secretly feeling that they weren't really forgiven and that Joseph was going to get them when daddy dies. Watch this. So what'd they do? They didn't go themselves. They sent a messenger unto Joseph saying, the, uh, you know what, daddy, daddy, before daddy died, uh, daddy said to uh, tell you something. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> oh. So shall ye say unto Joseph, forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brother. The first time they ever said, would you forgive us, was that years later, at 
after their daddy died, almost at the end of Genesis. I am telling you something. It takes years sometimes for God to finally work through a man's heart to get honest. They never said forgive us. And when they did it now, they said our daddy told you to forgive us. Whoa. I don't like that kind of talk. Huh? This Bible's got it. This Bible appears to the dividing of the sunder and soul and spirit and knows the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So she said, forgive I pray thee, trust me, thy brother and their sin, for they did evil unto me, and now we pray thee. So now we're going to ask you, forgive the servants, trespass thy servants of God, thy father. And I want you to look at Joseph. I want to ask you why, jo why Joseph cry. You know in your spirit, nobody has to tell you. You know. Finally, honesty, but even at that, coerced and forced, and not even done for the right reason. Amen. What's this going to tell you? It's going to tell you that probably the longest day you live, things are not going to be totally right with people. You know why? Because the heart of man is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things, and who can know it? And you're just going to have to live with the fact that people are not always going to be straight up honest with you about things and really get things fixed. And they may harbor stuff and they may have practice dissimulation and say, oh, Joseph, we love you, buddy. You're our good brother down there at the palace. But inside, let me just tell you a little something. That's why they never could have fellowship. True, 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 true fellowship. Okay. All right. Joseph gave them time for God to work in their hearts in sorrow. Allowing false fawning will stop the work of God Amen. leading people to repentance and truth in their inner man. Amen. Are you listening to me? Right. You say, well, hang on, we're not done. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, what's this? I just picked, I've seen it, I've read it, but I never picked it up in this context like I did this week. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 15. Now you listen to me. Paul's fixing to die. Does anybody know that? He said, I'm ready to depart. Yep. He's, he's fixing to die. He's on his deathbed, basically, getting ready to, he's getting ready to face the executioner. Amen. And you know what he says? Now, you'd think, I'm getting ready to die. I want to make sure I've forgiven everybody. So anybody hasn't forgiven, I want to make sure I've forgiven. Look what he says. He's getting ready to die. Alexander the coppersmith did me much what? Evil. Evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Oh, him, oh the Lord, be real nice to him. That's not what that means. Look at the next verse. Of whom be thou were also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. He says, this guy gave me trouble. Yeah. And he said, I want God to reward him for his evil. Yeah. Yeah. Wait a minute, Paul. <coughs> Jesus said to forgive those that offended you and done you evil. Hmm. What are you going to do with Apostle Paul? Was he a hypocrite? Was Paul a hypocrite? No more than Jesus was. No more than Joseph was. What was he doing? He being real. And he did say the Lord rewarding. It's out of my hands. I let God have it, but it's just a fact. I'm not going to act like he isn't a sorry low down dog because he is. <laughs> I'm not going to fawn him in public. In Galatians chapter 2, again, Peter there was eating with the Gentiles. Then he started eating with the Jews and separated. He was playing both sides of the fence. He was dissimulating. 
And, and you know what the apostle did? Before them all, he rebuked Peter. Right. And you need to read that for yourself. He didn't walk in. He didn't walk into the church house and say, oh, hey, Peter. Hey, brother Peter. How you doing, buddy? Why didn't Paul do that? Because Paul knew if that junk kept going on, it was going to destroy that church. And Paul was willing to be ostracized, cut off, misunderstood, so the truth of God could prevail. How is, let, me, let me give you a down-to-earth illustration here. <clears throat> How is it between you and your husband's first wife, ladies? Fellas, how's it between you and your wife's first husband? I mean, if he comes sauntering in here to church this morning, you guys just got split about six months ago, and he just comes up here and sits in the front row. Boy, just starts looking around, bless God. I start preaching, hey, man, Reggie. You know what you're going to do? You're going to sit back and see, sorry, low down dog. You guys will set up for an amen like a hypocrite. <laughs> yeah, why are you coming to my church? <laughs> Do you know what Proverbs 6 says? That a husband will never get over the man who stole his wife. That's, that's Reggie Burbage, but it's truth. Says so you can give him all the money in the world, he ain't gonna forget it. Well, you're supposed to forgive. So, you know, Brother Stamper, you walk into church and you stole my wife, and <laughs> Brother Stamper, <laughs> bless your heart. I sure appreciate you taking her off my hands. <laughs> she was a witch, and I'm glad you got her. Or you used to act like, come on up and sing in the choir with me, Brother Stamper. You got my wife. You stole my wife away from me. You was texting her. You stole her from me. Come on up and sing in the choir with me. That's why, that's why you don't see those people going to church together. Because they're not over it. Most of them are madder six years later than they were the day they broke. But oh, we're supposed to be above it. <laughs> David, whom the Bible calls a man after God's own heart. Does anybody know what he told Solomon before he died? Amen. He said, Solomon, there's a guy named Joab, and he said, I want you to bring his hoary head down to the grave in violence. You kill that man. He says, another guy named Shimei, he's worthless too. I want you to, I want you to put him down. Wait a minute, David, you're about to die. Don't say stuff like that. <laughs> Let me give you one of the biggest illustrations in the Bible about dissimulation. That's Joab himself. Yeah. Old Joab walk up to Amasa. Hey, buddy, how you doing, man? Yeah. Ah! Yeah. Walk up to Abner. God told me a secret. He wants me to tell you, Abner. Ah! Yeah. Using religious talk to cut a man's guts out. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Acting like he was their buddy when all the time his intention was to cut his guts out, kill him. Yeah. Let him wallow in his blood. Yeah. You wonder why God hates that garbage? Yeah. That's why I believe God had David tell Solomon, you, put, you bring that man down. He's a dissimulator. He's a put on. I want to ask you about old Solomon. Adonijah come in. He wanted to get David's last gal. Sent Bathsheba in there. Now this is his brother. Whoa. 
Well, you mind, Adonijah wants to know if you can have the, have the queen. So what else do you want, the kingdom? And he said, basically said, the sun ain't going to go down till that man's going to be dead. And he sent and had him killed. Wait a minute, Solomon. Solomon, you're supposed to love your enemies. Did he do evil? Uh, Solomon, you're supposed to wipe that off and smile and act like, hey, buddy, let's go have dinner together. Y'all quiet, some of you. Yeah. Some of you don't like this message. I don't like it either. I'm not preaching down to you. I'm preaching to me. I'm preaching to everybody here. But if we don't get this fixed in the churches of America, we're going to drift out and, go, and just basically we'll sink further into it because the world is watching the church. Our children are watching. 80% of children supposedly raised in fundamental Bible-leaving churches are leaving the church. Why? Part of it. Part of it. There's a bunch of verses in Psalms. If you want to put it up here, guys, go ahead. Psalms 18. Said, Let's watch this. We'll get her done. Uh, verse number, uh, verse number uh, 40. Verse number 40, if you don't care, guys. Thou hast given me the next of mine enemies. And about to destroy. <laughs> Nobody quotes that psalm all the time. Psalm 38, verse 19. Mine enemies are alive, they are strong, and they hate me wrong for you multiplied. They also, watch this, that render evil for good are mine adversaries. Because I follow that which is good. Psalms 118, verse number seven. Lord taketh my part in them to help me, therefore shall I see my desire upon them to hate me. Sound like David is a real nice old wallowing around stuff. Psalms 139, 21. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee, and am I not great with those who rise up against thee? Brother Lakey, Marvin Lakey, did you not tell me this one time? If I remember right, you told me, said, Reggie Bear, watch about this stuff, because there's some people in the Bible that God said that David hated. The only man in my life's ever told me that. Be careful that you've got it right, that you're balanced. Amen. Verse 22, I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. But does that mean that David did it back to them? No. Uh, we're going to go on past that. So what should we do? I'll ask you questions. Watch this. Should Israel return evil for evil to Hamas? If it had been your child, your wife, your teenage daughter that 10 men raped and then drug her out in public naked and sneered at her and put her on a camera, you're going to go eat with Hamas tonight? Should Israel, should Israel recompense, render evil for evil? Because this is what's being used on Americans right now. This is how they're breaking down our support of Israel. See, we'll sit and say, oh, I want to do good to my enemies and I'm going to bless them to curse me. But you know better than that. You know that Israel has a, has a right, as a, especially as a nation, Amen. to protect its people. Right. Now you can say, well, they need to put another wall up and just don't let them bother them again. Nope. So you're telling me they shouldn't go after them boys. I'm going to tell you something. I believe they should. In fact, you know what drove the media wild this week? Netanyahu, who's the prime minister of Israel, referred back to Amalekites and how they were going to treat them. He referred to Israel's ancient enemies and he said, this is what's going to happen to them. They wiped them out. The media went berserk. Let me tell you, when the devil's crowd, 
Whatever they're for, Christians should be on the other side. Mark it down. All right. Some of you don't think they should. Well, should the United States have rendered evil to evil for Japan? They dropped bombs on us. They killed 2,900 some of our soldiers on a Sunday morning, some of them sleeping in their bunks. They didn't give a rip. They, they, They intentionally came at us at the time they thought they could do the greatest damage. Were we wrong? in rendering evil to in Japan. No, we're not. And by the way, if you sit there and say you think that you shouldn't have, then be sure when it comes your turn that you live by what you're preaching this morning. Yes. There's a distinction, as I said, between the brother and the Lord and the enemy. I understand that. But Jesus said, you're enemy. Now, we've looked at all these scriptures about today and I'm going to try to rush. What the Bible said was not to render evil for evil. They lied on you, don't you lie on them. They demonized you to people, don't you demonize people on them. They betrayed you, don't you betray them. Don't make it say more than it says. They won't pay you a bill, don't cheat them back. They falsely accuse you, don't falsely accuse them. But are you to greet them, shake hands, smile, backslap, and dissimulate in front of other people and put on a show of love in front of other people when it's not really true? That's dissimulation. You are not to do that. Let love be without dissimulation. Your children will observe your duplicity and dissimulation. You say, Reggie, what should we do? I ain't got it all figured out, but I'll give you a few things I think I do have figured out. Number one, you can always be civil unless you're protecting your family or whatever, okay? You don't have to cuss them out and be mad, chew them out in front of everybody. That's right. You don't have to to be, well, I'm gonna let them have it next time I see them on the sidewalk. No, God never said to do that. You can be civil, but you can also be real and honest. You meet them, don't just, don't put on the dog. You can look at them civilly and seriously and soberly. Right? You can. You want to bad enough. Amen. You don't have to put on a big show. You don't have to get. You don't have to have a brawl. You don't have to have a big argument. You can just say, "Hey, I've had to tell some people, don't put on the dog to me. Yeah. Right, stop that. No, uh, don't do that. Don't put on the dog to me. You're not my friend. Don't pretend to be now. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Right. That's one of the best things you can do to a guy. Yeah. You don't have to be mean. You don't have to be uncivil. Nothing like that." But you need to be able to pass over it if you can. Best thing to do is just let God have it. Cast in all you care upon him for he cares for you. Yeah. Let it go if you can. Let them, let them, or you need to go to them alone and say, hey, listen, you've offended me. I want to try to get this fixed. And you can follow that biblical pattern. I think you should pray for them. Pray for God to give them the spirit of truth and righteousness and give them grace and mercy like you've needed. Take a look at yourself. You know, you haven't always, we have, I haven't always done right. We don't all do, we all mess up. If necessary, rebuke them. The Bible said that open rebuke is better than secret love. Romans chapter 16 says, on on some cases you're to avoid them. In other cases, they'd have no company with them. Sorry. That's Bible. That's just a fact of it. There's just a situation where stuff can get so bad. Did you know that Paul and, and was it Barnabas in Acts 15? Watch this. The, the, one of them wanted to take one guy and the other wanted to take Mark. And Paul said, we ain't taking Mark. I couldn't depend on him last time, basically. Yeah. And the, watch this. The contention was so sharp, it says. 
sharp contention. That means knife cut. They went asunder that both went to, Paul went one way, Barnabas went the other. Paul took Silas, Barnabas took Mark. Now you listen to me. That was two church leaders. And they got into it. And one went, how can two walk together except they be agreed? You and I cannot get along with everybody. You can't, there's levels of fellowship together. I ought to preach on levels of friendship and fellowship. It's a very important Bible lesson. But anyway, so we can be that. Be open to reconciliation. If that person contacts you or gets a hold of you and says, listen, I'd like to, for us to be reconciled. I'd like to get this fixed. Be open to that. Okay? Be open to that. Don't say, oh, it's over with. You know. In conclusion, let me say this. There is an evil in the church culture that I believe has done great damage, private hatred, while publicly fawning and fakery of love. A pretense of love and friendship, a failure to, do, to deal with issues scripturally, dissimulation, a pretense in public that, is, that everything's fine when it's honestly not. And the Holy Spirit is grieved and we wonder sometimes why was the Spirit of God not on that service? There are different things that people legitimately can see different and disagree on. That's in the Bible. But Jesus, Paul, Joseph, David were not wrong in dealing with their enemies in a scriptural manner. They were honest and they saw the damage being done. By the way, I could take you to several others in the Bible. Delilah, hey guys, was it Delilah? What, what was she doing with Samson? Dissimulation. Oh, if you love me. Girls, a, a boy that's not right with God, I'm talking about deeply not right with God, will dissimulate to you and tell you he loves you and he don't love you at all. He wants your body. Yep. That's dissimulation. And God hates it. Amen. We've covered a lot of ground this morning. I don't have it all understood. But I want to deal to respond. I, I want God to deal with me in responding to evil with a truly biblical response. Not a one-sided, try to fake my way through, make me feel good response, try to act like I'm spiritual when I'm not, act like everything's fine when it's not, when there's damage being done to relationships. Someone sent me this this week. It said this, I forgive people, but that does not mean that I accept or approve of their behavior or that I trust them. Are you listening to me? This is good. Now, I've had, I forgive them for me so that I can let go and move on with my life. I'm going to add something to that. I forgive them for Jesus' sake. There is a cause bigger than Reg Kelly. My cause is not very big. But let me tell you, Jesus' cause is real big. And I need to forgive people and let it go and move on for Jesus' sake. Amen? Amen. Now I'm going to give you the rest of the story. When they asked the elderly pastor's wife if she was okay and she answered, yes, but not really. She said, I knew you would wonder why I was not at my husband's visitation. Over the years, as a pastor's wife, I have observed the greatest hypocrisies of people at the time of death. I have watched people smile and glad hand, backslap family members and people whom they had done evil and when they had done evil to the very person's funeral they were coming to. She said, people are cruel. People are brazen in their self-righteousness and in their hypocrisy. I have watched people smile and be friendly to people that I knew they had hurt terribly and had never fixed it. Over the years, there's so many people who my husband loved, led to the Lord, baptized, visited in the hospital, comforted, encouraged, served, and they claimed to love him. And then some little stupid thing 
usually is not going along with some sin or disobedience in their lives or the lives of their children or preaching something they didn't like. They first of all kind of get it in for him. Then they would be cold in service a little bit. And then they would start openly opposing him. Then they begin to demonize him. Then they would turn their family and all the people they could against him. And then they would leave and take all the people they could and damage the church that we've tried to serve in. She said, I watched them give cause for the lost and the world to mock and scorn the work of the Lord and his church and grease the slide of the lost people in this town to hell because they lost confidence in the church. And all the while justifying their actions and rationalizing their enmity. And then you see them out in public and they act like you're a long lost friend and especially at funerals. It is so wrong. I just can't go along with the deception and the hypocrisy that I knew I would see. I've been down that road before. I just can't handle it today. I felt led uh, two days I told you in a row this past week to call a pastor and encourage him. And then this pastor that I didn't get called, lo and behold, he, he called. I was over on the farm building fence and he called. We were visiting. We always, when he calls or I call him, we always talk about what we're preaching, what God's dealing with, you know, and so forth. And, and I told him, I said, man, that's this message. God's really working my heart about it. I said, I don't have it all figured out, but I, I told him just a little bit about Matthew 23 and Matthew 5. And I said, was Jesus, I asked him, I said, tell me, brother, was Jesus a hypocrite? One time telling people to bless their enemies and the next thing over here, he's cursing them? Calling them serpents and vipers? And I said, it just seems like there's something got in the cold. We're off balance. We're not, we got one side of this thing. There's something wrong. And he went quiet. I thought the call had dropped. I said, brother, you still there? He said, yeah, I'm still here. He'll, he'll hear this. I love you, brother. He said, I can't believe you're talking about this. He said, my wife last night, Reggie, talked to me about this very problem in our church. And she told him, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. Privately. Knifing, backstabbing. Walk in church on Sunday morning, act like everything's lovely. And all the time fighting your tooth and toenail. I want to say in closing, if we're going to err, let us err on the side of passing over a transgression. If we're going to make a mistake about this, let's err on the side of forgiving. Y'all be in favor of that? I ain't got it all figured out. I cannot tell you how God worked on me. If we're going to err, let's err on the side of committing it to the Lord forgiving and releasing for Jesus' sake, for the work of Christ's sake. And if it is that important, let's go to them like the Bible says and do what the Bible says. But how many remembers the 11th commandment? Don't do it here. I don't want to hear of you 
bringing up a problem of, of somebody doing you wrong here. You, you, you meet them at some restaurant, you meet them out in the field somewhere and fight it out, I don't know, but don't you dare do it on this property. Don't you sit like a spider waiting back there in the, in the yeah. hallway to jump on somebody. Amen. And I mean that. Okay? If you do do it, you know, I've done it. I'm not preaching down. I'm telling you, we've probably all done it. But don't do that. Make it where you are memories of being at church. I have, I'll just tell you the truth. I have so many bad memories here at this church of being caught going out the door at night. It's, it just, if I would let it, it would have drove me away. If there hadn't been a higher cause than me, my personal feelings, I'd have been gone years ago, I'm telling you. You do not know how many times I've been caught at them doors or in them always, uh, need to talk to you. Don't do that. If it's that important, call me up, say, Rich, now I'm going to tell you something else. What's the intention? I'm, I'm going to say this because we're in this subject. I had a man call me one time and said, Reg, I'd like to have you and Karen over for supper. I said, well, that's fine. So I, we go to eat supper. Man, it's a great meal. I'm talking about excellent meal. Afterward, excellent dessert, Brother Brett. Got done. Pushed his chair back. Said, now I'm going to tell you what I had you over for. And I mean, he unloaded on me. And I finally, after about a minute and a half of the spewing, I just stood up and I said, you didn't invite us here for fellowship. You set me up to be jumped on. I said, we're leaving. And I just walked straight to the door. I didn't fuss with him. I just walked to the door. Got in the doorway. He said, well, let's pray before you go. What was he trying to do when he said, let's pray before you go? He was being convicted. He was being bothered. He knew that he, he wanted to try to, you know, man, this. You know. I let him pray. I didn't pray. I had a man one time told me he wanted to come see me. Quite a ways from here. He's coming to church here. I had no idea what I was about. Got down there. He said, well, come, he said, come out in the kitchen. Let's sit down in the kitchen. And I got sit down. This is honest truth. He walked over to the cabinet, got a glass, took the glass, went to the sink, got water in the glass, walked back over and said, guess what? Anybody know? Give your enemies a glass of water. In my name. And then he tore in on me. That's going to be honest with you. I, I texted Ronnie Simpson yesterday to pray for them. Andy's bad shape. I called Ronnie, asked him, I've been talking to him. And I'd sure appreciate you praying for him. By the way, his lungs did come back clear. But he had, they gave him six months to live unless this treatment fixes things. Well, Ronnie, you know, that's his boy. And Andy put on Facebook yesterday, Andy, if you don't like it, I'm sorry. <laughs> don't say things you don't want me preaching about. He didn't say. He just said, he took a picture of his daddy out in the yard. Standing amongst the trees and his dad's faces to the ground. And you can just see the intensity. You can see the struggle. Lord, we served you all these years. This is my boy. He's got cancer. He's dying. You can just see it. And I told Ronnie this week, I said, Ronnie, You've helped me as much or more than any preacher in the world. And one time you warned me about something. You warned me. You said, Reggie, preachers have a tendency to do one of two things when they get older. Yeah. Either compromise and get soft and quit preaching on sin yeah. so they quit having battles. Yeah. Or they get hard as a rock and bitter as hell. Amen. 
And he said, Reggie, ask God, beg God to not let you be either way. I said, Ronnie, I'm having trouble with the latter. I'm hard. I wouldn't want to admit I was bitter. My heart, you know where my heart's at today? I don't want the kids in this church growing up seeing this junk. And I'm going to say something to everybody here. As far as I know, there's no bugs in the rugs. There's no undercurrent. If you do, don't tell me about it, okay? I don't know. <laughs> I spoke wrongly to some people this week, got in the flesh. I, best I know, I fixed it. I'm clear, okay? And that, even in and of itself, was after all this message. It's like God said, I'm going to give you one little last illustration. It's going to be about you. I'm going to give you a chance to practice what you're fixing to preach. Now I say again to the people that I offended, I want you to forgive me, and I mean I love you in the Lord. That's just, that's just honest truth. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you don't need to know nothing about it. Amen. You just need to know what God's dealing with my heart. But I'll tell you what I want. I want when I'm gone. I want people still to love each other in this church. Heavenly Father, no, wait a minute. I can't pray yet. I thought I had finished this message the other day, and just like right now, I thought it finished. It's like a Holy Ghost. No. I was out on the farm, and the Lord's, I'm, I'm meditating on this message, and I'm thinking about it, and I'm thinking about how in my life, and the Lord said, Reg, you have, you're not done. The message is not over. I said, well, Lord, I don't know what else. He said, Reggie, you've missed everything. Yeah, you've got all those verses. Yeah, you've got all those spiritual examples and examples of life and of Scripture and all those men in the Bible, but you've missed the major thing about fixing this problem. And I said, Lord, what was it? What is it? He said, the fullness of the Spirit will fix what you cannot fix. Amen. He said, Reggie, what you need to do is get on your knees. And you need to ask God Almighty to fill you with His Spirit. Because when a man's filled with the Spirit, and I know this, but I forget it. When a man is filled with the Spirit, the Holy Ghost of God can give you the grace you need to handle all the evil that's been thrown at you, to handle all the things that's been done against you. And I said, I, backed, I said, threw my hands up here, I said, God, forgive me for trying to handle this with head knowledge. Come on. And if I could leave you here today, and if you've got anything out of this message, I want you to do something. You're never going to know enough Bible to fix it all. You're never going to do enough of this, that, or the other, and be quite humble. Enough. But if the Holy Ghost of God, He will lead you, guide you, be in your presence Amen. to enable you to respond in a way. And of course, He will not guide you against Scripture. But if the Holy Ghost is not in it, it's nothing but religion. It can be biblically right, but Danny, if the Holy Spirit's not there, I can come to Danny and I can say, Danny, I just want you to know I'm sorry for what I did. I, I know things ain't right and I want to get fixed, you know. And you look at my spirit and you sense my spirit and say, man, that guy, his spirit's wrong. And you're not trying to, but you can just tell. 
I am saying to this church, listen, in every arena that we're dealing with, if we don't have the power of the Holy Spirit in it, it's not going to work. And God said, Reggie, I don't care how many verses you've looked up. I don't care what you've wrote down. I don't care what you've put together and you think you have all this thing. Without the power and fullness of the Holy Spirit of God, it is not going to work. And I'm telling you what, this old boy went to the throne of grace and I said, God, I want grace every morning of my life. Brett, Don, I want you to do something for me. I'm going to show you something real quick right here. Brett, I want you to, in about 30 seconds, I want you to walk in, would you? Brett, I want to tell you about Don's Inn. Before you build that house, let me tell you something about him. I'm going to tell you three things about his work. It costs like the Dickens. It, concrete gets hard and it cracks. And he won't come and fix cracked concrete. Oh, hey, Don, how you doing, buddy? Good to see you, man. Messed up my glasses. That messed your glasses yeah. up. Quit it. Did anybody see what just happened? Yeah. yeah. Let's don't do it. Amen. Let's don't do it. Amen. Let's don't do it. Let's stand.